And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Your host, Andrew Morgan's here on Startup Hustle, covering all things Amazon and e-commerce. Um, super excited about today's guest. He's an ex-Amazonian. He's doing a lot of awesome things. I had to cut him off a little bit when we were first starting just so I can save some of it for the show. Uh, but before we get in there, before I make an introduction, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Helium 10, cutting-edge software that helps you grow your business on Amazon. Startup Hustler, Startup Hustle listeners get 50% off their first month of Helium 10 Platinum when you go to helium10.com and use the code HUSTLE at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Go to helium10.com and use Hustle. Now to the show. Um, welcome, Stephen Haney. Nice to have you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So I said, uh, I think you're calling in from uh, Idaho. Is that correct? I I'm up in the North Idaho Panhandle in Moscow, Idaho, home in the University of Idaho and right next to Washington State. Awesome. I love it. Is uh you know, knowing that you worked at Amazon for quite a few years and we're going to get into your story, is this like a recent move back this way or have you been, you know, working remote for a while? Well, uh, I've we've had a family cabin over here a couple of times. I actually uh, managed Prime Day uh, from my cabin over here uh, three different times. Okay. So we've been back and forth, but we moved here full time last August. I have nine nieces and nephews here in a great school for my youngest who has some special needs. Uh, so we're thrilled to be living in small town and uh, with an airplane, it's just like a it's just like a suburban commute. If I need to be in Seattle, I'm there in 45 minutes. So I love that, and um, I'm hearing more and more of that. You know, whether it's the pandemic or just um, you know my world, people getting exits, people you know figuring out what they want to do in life, and ending up uh, a place a little bit more solitude, and um, you know not inside not inside the city of Seattle. I know for me during the city uh, during the pandemic, being Kansas City was. Um, I was watching some of my friends, uh, kind of an exodus from San Francisco or the coast and picking Montana, um, you know, just some awesome places outside that I was getting FOMO, I was getting jealous. So um, I'm glad you're back. It sounds like uh, a place you're excited to be. Let's start. Let's start. Uh, we, we, I asked you, like, you know, how long you've been working with Amazon and I've been in the space about 10 years. I think your story goes back quite a bit further than that. Um, we work on a lot of the same things in regards to like a lot of the stuff you developed, uh, you know, there at Amazon from data to the product pages to, you know, all that kind of different stuff that, that was going on. Uh, I optimized the catalog for Amazon too, for brands basically, you know, so from the other side. <laughs> well, it's, it's fun, uh, to, to do that. And, and it's, it's one of Amazon's biggest advantages is, you know, uh, you know, often it's like, well, Amazon versus the seller and reporters love to angle that up. And it's like, guys, you know, Amazon will always lose because there's just more of us, right? Yeah. Sebastian Gunningham, the former senior vice president, most interesting man alive, you know, a leader of marketplace. And so it's like, hey, if, if Amazon's trying to beat sellers, they're doing a really bad job because um, sellers are winning in terms of sales. But sellers are a great you know, way to gather data. And, and also one of, um, you know, in running the detail page, 
you're like, hey, we're all trying, we're on the same side of the table. That's one of the fun places. We all, we make money. Amazon makes money when sellers make money and, and we can all make the buying experience better. So how do we make more stuff available and make it an easier shopping experience? It's great. I love it. Uh, as, as someone that's obsessed about this space for a long time, um, you know, before there was even thought leadership out about how to sell on Amazon at a high level or, you yeah. know, Amazon had teams to help you in some ways that you could bring on board. Um, there was all this hypothesis around, you know, the data and um, on the, you know, the keyword data, the advertising data and how's it all work together. And, you know, at the beginning, it's just, um, it was reviews. You have to have reviews or your product's not going to sell. And, you know, I remember in the early days thinking like, the hack way of doing this is not how it's supposed to be done. Like, you know, I was just like this, there has to be like, what would it, how, what's Amazon thinking, right? Like, what do they want the data to do and how do we lean into that? And uh, it's been a fun climb, just like, you know, figuring that out from, I guess, the outside and what to do with all of the data and really make the most like um, Marknology is an advertising partner. We're service-based, so we're not a software um, and we're an Amazon advertising agency partner. Um, and I'm proud of that because in a sense, it's like, I think we're one of two of 60 that are um, in the program and one of two that's service-based, the other 58 are software. So being able to make sense of that data, I know we're going to get into some more data, but I want to back up. I'm getting a little ahead of myself just because I'm excited, but um, okay. So you said you're an Amazon customer starting maybe around the year 2000. When did yeah. you start, when did you start working with Amazon? Uh, I uh, joined Amazon in October, 2003. Early. Or, you know, that's pre Kindle, pre FBA, pre really pre marketplace. Uh, you know, it's pre AWS, like Amazon was a media company. Yes. You ordered books and music and DVDs and video games, and they shipped VHSs uh, to have movies to your house. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know, I think I started working with my first startup in 2012. Yeah. Um, and even then it was just not, it was a shell of what it is today, you know, uh, in regards to just the features and the branding and, and all the ways that it's evolved and its size and everything. Um, I can't imagine what it was like. Oh, three to 2012 in those well, days. You know, 2009, that first segment for me is Amazon going from being books company to being a, a full store. Right. And so my response at that point was vendor selection and inventory purchasing for all the stuff Amazon's going to sell. Uh, I also had a fun job as like the Grinch of Christmas, but that's a, a different story for a different day. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you made an order. It's not going to arrive in time for Christmas. Sorry about that. Have fun at the mall. Um, the time I was just like going down. Yeah. So it's called a cold prickly uh, email. If we have to send a customer a cold prickly email, that's a failure. But, um, you know, so really, you know, Amazon's going in, in five years to all these categories, uh, and ordering stuff is a little different if you're ordering DeWalt drills or diapers or diamond rings versus DVDs. Mm -hmm. And so making the software scale, learned a ton, uh, learned a ton about how general retail works, but also how do you do that with a, uh, you know, without hiring lots and lots of people, what can you do with automation, right? Mm -hmm. And Amazon's kind of very clear, like a lot of prices are automatically set on Amazon. A lot of the inventory is automatically purchased. You want to follow these principles when you're building processes of people empower machines. When you think, because machines are always faster. So uh, a great example of machines empowering people, if machines are spitting out tasks for people to do, 
it looks like Lucy at the chocolate factory, right? Trying to pack all the chocolates that she can't ever keep up. The reason why that's important is 2009, I came to the seller side of the space. And my first job was to kind of stabilize Seller Central, okay. find out what was missing. Uh, so for example, one of the things that was missing was uh, Seller Central was really basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to do a return with a seller in uh, 2009, a customer was going to return something, it's email. Like you couldn't do it in Seller Central. Uh, okay. You can't do it with API. You can't do it in Seller Central at all. Uh, that's pre-sponsored products and, and pre-advertising and sellers at that time couldn't run promotions. They couldn't, you know, a lot of sellers were resellers. They weren't necessarily brand owners. Everything had to go through vendor central. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that, I think that's one of our areas of expertise is kind of learning that early and, and yeah. that wasn't like given information, right? So the sellers are trying to figure out what happened and maybe they had a distributor selling them direct to Amazon, maybe they had been direct five years before and didn't know anymore. And someone else is at the company or any number of things can happen. And just knowing that one P was kind of the boss, you know, yeah. and uh, at the time it's like, that's the way it goes. So 2009, I get there after having automated all this stuff for one P and you get to three P and you get to seller central. Like, Holy cow, this is loosing the chocolate fact. Like all seller central is doing is spitting out tasks for uh, sellers to do like go ship this order, go ship this order, take this return, uh, update your inventory. I'm like, there's no automation. Like there's no leverage. There's no like just lever and fulcrum for sellers. Uh, so over time we did some of those things, you know, we, we said, look, how do we work backwards from the customer? The customer doesn't necessarily, the customer doesn't necessarily care one P three P the customer cares. Do I get a good price? Is it going to yeah. show up at my door? Do I trust it? Um, is it a good product? Uh, is it in stock? So, uh, you know, we built things like pricing tools in Seller Central that would give automated guide rails so you couldn't you know, underprice accidentally or price too high and get yourself out of the way. Uh, automated pricing rules so everybody would have access to uh, automate, automating their pricing if they, they couldn't afford or didn't pay uh, for somebody else um, using APIs. But, you know, my favorite thing was, you know, my response was first to stabilize Seller Central because it went down a lot. Yes. It, was, it was not super stable in 2009 and 2010. Uh, I got a lot of questions to answer. But then the second thing was, how do we kind of make that shift from Seller Central just spitting out tasks for sellers to do to start, you know, making it easier on sellers for them to set things or to get proactive notifications. And so, uh, we started saying, how do we use our data uh, to give guidance to sellers on one of the most important things they can do next? Uh, so we created Selling Coach and good, bad, and otherwise. There's some goods at some others, but we were trying to use data to say, you know, when are you running low on inventory? How do we share, uh, how do we share a view? Because um, there's so much, I would call it foggy and murkiness between what a seller sees and what, you know, how to actually connect that back to Amazon. Right. How do I, how do I manage my IPI? Right. Yep. You know, it's like, it feels foggy. Yeah. So putting more of those tools in place. So one of the fun ones I really appreciate was even, even the deals workflow we invented. Right. Cause Amazon on the data side knows what do customers have in their carts? What do they have in their wish list? What do they looked at a lot? Um, and that data is not, you know, super available to sellers. Uh, and then, so Amazon kind of has a sense of demand and interest. Amazon also knows kind of price changes, you know, when, when do customers buy more at what level? So they know kind of how steep a discount is, is going to actually increase sales. 
And then you know, uh, they know what sellers have, right? So they know what, and so I can recommend you a deal and say, hey, if you could kind of, if you could hit this price range of price discount on this item, we think you know it has a potential sales or sales potential of X. And that to me was a great We're talking like lightning deals. We're talking yeah. lightning deals, best, yeah. best deal. Lightning deal, best deals, deal of the day, you know, form of gold box deals. You know, we can rather than sellers guessing, you know, will I make this much if I if I put it on deal this much? Right. Amazon can tell you, we can put that in a workflow. So using data uh, mm -hmm. to to help sellers. Uh, and were you already doing that on the vendor side and kind of brought those over to seller central? Like no, we yeah. started that on Seller Central okay. and brought it back over to the vendor side. So when I started 2009, 2010, uh, we had a lot of state, you know, kind of get the system stable, make Seller Central more um, reliable. But then we start saying, what can we do to invent? And, you know, how do we start putting workflows in sellers? But let's make sure they're where possible, it's agnostic. So if we're going to improve listings, right? Um, and you mentioned stuff at the beginning. You know, uh, sellers, Amazon doesn't stay static, right? Uh, Amazon changes the, the rules in Amazon. They're relatively the same, but they, they tweak or stay static or they do experiments. Mm -hmm. When I advise sellers, I don't know about you. I tend to find sellers have like held on to one thing they thought was a truism, right? Yep. You know, I'm going to stuff everything into the bullet points so that it improves my search rank. Hey, you know what improves search rank? Selling stuff. Selling stuff improves your search rank. Um, so let go of some of that keywords and maybe test it because that may have been true at one point in time back in 1976. But uh, you know, in, in 2015, 2018, Amazon changes, right? I love that. We could, we could stop the show right there and just say, hey, that's <laughs> what you need to hear. Um, you know, honestly, like I don't even, my agency at this point, I, I rarely work with anyone private label or, or anyone that's like kind of done it themselves that isn't like a, a, a larger brand. Simply, I'll tell them this on the call. I'm like, private label guys, the guys that have done it themselves are so stuck in their ways that I have a hard time because they've done it themselves or like had some success in the past or whatever. Um, they're hard to work with because they yeah. have a, set, a stuck way. And, you know, I've been in this space 10 years, probably. 300 plus brands we've worked with at Marknology. Um, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the failures, the wins. I've been testing the whole time, right? So it's across 50, you know, 50 yeah. brands at a time. You're trying different things and A-B testing and, oh, this worked with this company and let's try this here. And um, even, even this far in, you just have to constantly try test. You know, Amazon comes out with something new. You got to figure it out. You got to lean into that. Like, you know, why is Amazon pushing that? Um, let's run with that. Let's run with video. Let's run with, uh, you know, international expansion there. Yeah. yeah. All right, good. So that was a home run. Okay. So keep yeah. going. So I want to talk a little bit about, because I know this is a big challenge. Like as I start dealing with bigger brands and manufacturers, one piece sellers that are trying to make transitions, uh, to be more direct to consumer. Some of them getting kicked off of one P because they're just not profitable for, for Amazon's shipping there. Um, you know, increased fees. They've had to come up with bundles and variety packs and, you know, it's been put on the sellers to be profitable, to figure out how to be profitable in a lot of ways. Um, once Amazon kind of got them on the drip, bringing them in through Vendor Central, the bigger brands, the ones that made sense and bought, got customer trust uh, by being able to get stuff in two days and controlling the whole process. These brands haven't embraced e-commerce till recently, even if they've been selling on Amazon for 10 years in, in some ways, in my opinion. 1P made it where 
it was the same as them shipping it into a grocery store, the same as them shipping it into to Target. There was no difference for them. So they didn't really learn the platform, learn how to sell, learn how to be profitable, learn how to run ads at a high level. Um, you know, and I'm speaking in generalities, but the point being that, um, you know, in that model, it's shipping, you get a PO, okay, by demand, maybe first there used to be human reps making those decisions, and then it went to automated reps, you know, making those calls on the POs and what to order and things like that. Um, when that happened, so when that happened, it was easy to do FBA. I guess what I'm, I want to get into a little bit is on the seller central side, once it started coming down to the sellers to manage their IPI or to manage like getting product into FBA and Amazon for the first time was not taking in like pallets or product that they were selecting. They were taking in what sellers wanted to sell. Um, was that a nightmare? Was that like smooth? Like, tell me about that. Well, you know, first off to go back in history a little bit with Amazon, because remember my responsibility was, was purchase orders, right? So I generated the purchase orders uh, for Amazon for one P okay. uh, and, and that PO was, was that's the gateway to an Amazon warehouse. So when something showed up at the dock, a truck showed up or a pallet showed up, an Amazon warehouse person was looking, where's the purchase order? Where's the purchase order? Right. Now, how do I attach this? Right. One of the Amazon just critical things is once it's in the Amazon location, everything has an identifier for the item and an identifier for the location. I mean, even the Amazon box has a barcode on it when you get it at your house, right? Because they scan the box and they scan the item. You know, every spot on the floor where they set something has a sticker with it. You know, great. The computer always knows where the stuff is. Well, uh, you know, we used to joke, like, you could ship a side of beef and into a warehouse. We don't sell beef yet, but they'll figure out a way to receive it. Uh, the way sometimes that the warehouse learned that we were selling stuff uh, is the truck just showed up. Uh, I was like, hey, we're getting into toys now. Oh, really? Because we just had a toy delivery. He's show. one of the sales guys, like, chased down, you know, a big, like, uh, a big Thomas and Train or something and signs them, and then all of a sudden you're in toys. Yeah, we're in toys. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and the warehouse learned about it. It's not like they had a lot of, you know, uh, advanced warning. It's not like somebody said, hey, because the shelves you have in a warehouse might be different for books versus toys. You know, hey. So, you know, sometimes Amazon's as a startup just got really good at reacting and saying, hey, what was missing here was a communication flow. We should probably have a little bit of a head, head start or head notice. If we're going to do something like, you know, let's get into tools like chisels, you know, sharp things. Um, so, you know, FBA was uh, one of, you know, there's there's simple things are difficult at scale. Right. Yep. Uh, so. You know, it's easy to manage, say, one person's identity in a, in a, or one. It's easy to manage, you know, enhanced brand content for five SKUs. Now do it for 5,000 uh, and you start to see the complexity stack up. So when you have 5 million different potential products and then you go, great, this product uh, could be sold by 1P, could be sold by 3P. How do we keep track of that in the warehouse? Mm -hmm. If we put 10 of them in the same bin, and one falls on the floor and five of the 10 were seller and five of the 10, you know, it's all of a sudden it's like solid King Solomon's. Who's yeah, who's what? Right. Who's, who's, who's gets damaged out the sellers or Amazon's, right? Like who's, you know, who gets damaged. So it was a lot of simple things that we really had to go end to end and change everybody's process uh, across the company from, you know, how did ships, how did trucks get scheduled for receive? How did receive happen? 
where did it get stored in a given warehouse shelf? Because this is physical product. It's not just a software decision. Um, what are the error cases? If one gets damaged, who gets that? Um, if sellers are, you know, you're basically putting a third-party logistics facility, you're retrofitting 3PL into the Amazon logistics, right? Um, and and then Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon gives, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of goodness uh, to, um, you, know, uh, you know, as Amazon does that, I think, you know, so the, the pain in the butt stuff was now we had a a ASINs and then we'll, uh, SKUs. So Amazon owns a SKU and then there's a fulfillment network SKU, an FN SKU. Uh, that's a third party or an FBA SKU. And I got called because it's like, how do we create a shadow PO? We didn't actually make the order, but a seller sending something in and the easiest way to retrofit our receive is just make it look like it was on a purchase order. Uh, and that's how we want to inject it in. Okay. <laughs> Amazon, you just figure out a way to make it work fast so it was like a startup like that's something you know from the outside seeing how it all works has just been so interesting to me I'm, I'm geeking out about some of this um so i appreciate you like sharing some of the details yeah but i like it. i like that it was that you know it still was a startup environment even when it was growing um and just being able that's what you have to do you know as you just you grow and you figure it out as you go and you know sometimes you got to go all the way back and redo a sop from the very beginning um you know because you didn't have that problem before um, you know, and so just, just thinking about, um, how that all came to be is, is interesting to me. So you have, you're essentially creating shadow POs because one thing I've realized is that at least from my side, uh, all the different departments at Amazon almost felt like separate companies, right? So like you got the retail team, you've got, uh, you know, the seller central team, you had like the launch pad team or the exclusives or whoever they'd be in a silo, you'd have yeah. like. You know, and so if you, you you could be talking to someone even at a high up that wouldn't have really information on how a different department worked, right? Or I remember going to uh, Launchpad HQ in Austin for a brand several years back, and uh, it was like uh, Amazon exclusives, I think, at that time. And, yeah. um, you know, 20 brands there, uh, cool team we're talking about. Like I was, I've always been really into the branding side as Amazon started giving it. I'm like, these are what brands, this is what companies need to focus on you yeah. know, um, and geeked out about that. So I was loving being there. The team was like five people, maybe. And I remember they said some, one comment about a developer and just the way they said a developer or the developer in a singular sense, I had a little freak out moment. And I was just like, I raised my hand and I was like, Are, you guys have like one developer. And, uh, and I don't know if that's exactly the case across everything, but they were like, yeah, we like, we're, we're completely, um, self-sufficient maybe is, is how I'm trying to say it within their own little team. You know, even if it was a siloed team, they had like everything right there where they didn't need to depend on a different group or, um, the way they would have reps move every year, you know? And so you've got just reps moving departments, you get a relationship and I understand some of the reasons for that. But thinking about the automation going on in the back end with the data, and there's a reason why. And uh, that was one thing that I went to school for computer science, you know, so programming degrees and things like yeah. that. And um, so understanding kind of reverse engineering a program um, and knowing that like Amazon, I think what so many people think is that there's another person on the other end, like just screwing these sellers 
or like making their lives difficult or whatever the case might be like these ninjas you know and i'm like it's a software it's a, it's a database that's built to run off of intelligence and data um and if you know that like okay what is the what is the robot what's the machine wanting how does this machine work i can predict how a machine works way more than i can predict how uh, a mic on the other side of the computer works i don't know mike he's a human he can do anything right but a machine is is uh reliable right and it's consistent and so it's been some of those ways to just see like well how is amazon going to respond to this um based on how the like you know the the machine's set up so that's always just been fun for me and it's a perspective i think that a lot of sellers or agency owners or consultants don't have which is you know thinking about I need a rep on the other side to help me get through this issue or to get success or uh, not necessarily the case. If you just understand and lean into the data, uh, it's kind of what we're talking about. Like, you know, you needed to know, I, I worked at a company, my first e-commerce manager official job had the Kiva robots. And it was, uh, I think right before Amazon purchased Kiva. Uh, and we were like an old catalog toy company um, that for some reason, everything else was old as hell. We had Kiva robots in the warehouse. <laughs> they were super cool. Leading edge, here you go. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, as you say, understanding the grain of the wood, for example, right? So Amazon's gonna try, as I said earlier, you know, we went from books to 40 categories. And we did that in part by putting software in place. Uh, so, you know, Amazon's generally gonna try to do software, which is, you know, let's just call it a big automated calculator, if yeah. you will. So if you're putting input, if you don't like your situation, you know, do you know what inputs went into the calculator? Are your dimensions correct, right? Did you get charged the right thing? Well, did you put accurate dimensions? You know, because if you're getting charged a different FBA fee, maybe you didn't put the dimensions in. Or, you know, you're realizing that if you cut your package size by one inch, you could drop a whole tier in fees, right? Small hack, but, you know, people aren't necessarily looking going, okay, you know, it's just a calculator, right? And then, you know, Amazon's also not necessarily great at explaining that because it is a calculator. They don't tell their own story very well. Um, it's something they're not very good at all the time. I, I'm telling their story. Right. I, you know, there's people who I, learn it, right? Create a career you, around it, you know? You so. know, the, the, the OG Chris Green, you know, has written the book, you know, and tells people, everybody who listens. Um, you know, so I think that's that. And then, you know, also recognizing that Amazon will generally tend to go fast um even if it means they miss use cases right so uh nope it's not it's gonna be messy and if you fall into one of those edge cases amazon will catch up eventually but it's gonna be a hard road for you um, yeah but rather, I've, always explained it, I've always explained it like um uh amazon is like the samsung in the like samsung apple game right where samsung or like android let me say android phones are always just like coming out the new camera, the new tech, the biggest screen, they're just always coming out with stuff fast and first. And I, right. It, well, like that's how I'd see Amazon come out with stuff. They perfect it as the, on the fly. It's not like Apple where they're releasing it a little bit late, but perfect. Yeah. It's uh, you're learning experiments. Um, if you're building something new, um, you know, you can either wait till you get it perfect and then ship it, or you can, um, you know, you can use, uh, you can do a lot of things um, where, uh, you know, just do a lot of experiments, right? And and try three, four, five, ten different solutions, right? And Amazon uh, internally will often say, hey, you know, so even just like what you said, there's launch pad and exclusives. 
right? Let's see which one works. They try, right? yeah. We'll do both, right? And, and, and so it can be confusing for sellers, like, which one should I do? Um, well, do which one works for you, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and spend a little time learning. So sometimes Amazon doesn't make it easy because they gave you more choices, but then the, you know they're going to optimize back from the shopping customer. That's why I love the marketplace, though. As someone that's just passionate about e-commerce, I loved Amazon because it was a proactive platform. You could be proactive, and if you wanted to work hard at it, could make could sell a lot more stuff. You know, if you wanted to dig into the data, if you wanted to figure out how to get it out of there, um, Amazon it was possible. And for me, that was. That was better than eBay. That was better than Etsy. That was better than, you know, a lot of other things going um, because it was such a platform that was trying new things and gave you so many options to optimize. Um, I got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to like change direction just a little before we do. Um, reminder that today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Helium 10. Helium 10 has over 30 tools to help you research, start and manage your business on Amazon. Get all the tools you need to run and grow your business by signing up at Helium10.com. Hustlers get 50% off by using code hustle. Um, you know, we're talking about a lot of data today. I use helium 10 jungle scout. Um, you go down the list, you know, um, and I want to talk about one of the projects you're working on if we can here. Um, but, uh, around data and, um, you know, but we said that there's things outside of e-commerce, but, um, for me, like helium 10, um, knowing where your keywords rank, like you, you know, people will be like, well, I, I'm stuffing these keywords. This works like this is the way that needs to do it. Are you testing any of that? Are you running ads on those keywords to see if the keywords convert? Like, you know, um, we've been able to get listings that converted over 50% since they've been launched. And why is that? Well, we just got, it's like the actual keywords in the listing that customers want in the product instead of misguiding them or having keywords there that aren't accurate or, you know, those kinds of tags. So thinking of it like a catalog system, how do you get the best people to those listings? Um, the only people that are coming are the ones that want to buy. Data is at the base of all of it. Um, and so, you know, interesting, I feel like over the years, Amazon's been giving us a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more um, of that data that we can then, they don't necessarily tell us what to do with it, but they're like, you know, we've got attribution now, uh, which is in a beta um you know being able to track off amazon on traffic um we talked about fba in the warehouse and knowing where everything's going um what are you doing with data like with all these years of experience with amazon at a high high level um you know arguably the biggest marketplace in the world um biggest you know data point in the world and and i think i've read something about bezos you know the point being of the books at the beginning was data um getting customer profile data and being able to build build that through the books in the early stages. Um, let's talk about some of the stuff you're doing with on the data side. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, taking using data to approach a problem or to, to give insight uh, is great. But even going back with Seller Central, for example, before we built anything, Seller Central is software that's used by people to impact their business. So I may have a hypothesis is, yeah, there's 2 million sellers in the ecosystem. Um, how many sellers really need this function, right? And I'll look at, at some hypotheses and go, hey, there's this many hundreds of thousands of sellers that don't seem to be using any sort of pricing tool out there. Uh, maybe the low volume, maybe whatever. Um, and we think everybody should be using an automated pricing tool so that we can make sure Amazon is a low price destination. All right, that's, that's a great data point, right? And says, here's the size of my market. But this is still software for people. So before I even start a line of code, 
I pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, I'm thinking about building something like this. Does that help any of your clients, right? Can I get a quote? Because I want to marry that macro and micro, right? Um, you know, I want to marry that, uh, you know, it's this many sellers, but I want to talk to three to five of them, right? Make sure is it going to work the way it does. So that's, you know, you know, another thing, for example, running the detail page. So, you know, I love the Helium 10, quick shout out to today's sponsors, right? They're, they're like, use pictures at least this big. Well, whether they know it or not, there is a minimum size. It's one of my number one things with sellers. I'm like, look, Amazon will give you up to half the width of the, the give or take of the detail page if you have a high enough quality picture, high enough quality image. If you have less, if you don't have sufficient quality, you only get this much, right? You want to convert more? Put bigger pictures up, right? Uh, because customers are trying to answer what is this thing? And they can, you can try to stuff your keywords and make them read a thousand words. Yep. In seconds because they don't look at the page that long. Customers process a detail page like a poster. They process it like an image. So they may scan some words, but they really don't read it like a letter. Um, so use pictures, right? Pictures. It took, me, it took oh, me a little bit too long to learn that. Um, I now yeah. have an entire creative team at, at Magnology um, simply because the brands we were working with, I couldn't get them to get photographers <laughs> or they weren't thinking specifically for Amazon. They were just yeah. you know, bringing other photos from a different shoot or social media and trying to make them work. And I'm like, you know, um, we talk about those conversion rates. I think a huge, huge part of it is um, the images and the graphics and the storytelling within those. Like you get like, you know, you're getting seven images or an A plus page, whatever else you might get. That's your chance to engage with the customer. If you're selling something that needs to create an emotional connection, being able to do it through the photos is, is so huge. I think one of the issues in the early days um, is the people that were at least hiring consultants like me to help them on Amazon were like real outside the box private label guys or distributors, or it wasn't like the actual manufacturers and brands that care about branding that are investing in branding outside of Amazon, you know, that, that get it. Um, and so it was just like, you know, you're dealing with resellers or private label guys that have figured out the algorithm of Amazon or how to find a product, source it and sell it. Uh, but they don't understand brand building. They don't understand storytelling. And so getting them to invest in photos um, was hard, was a hard challenge. They yeah. shouldn't, do it right you know so it was um how, how do you make that happen for them how do you get them to understand that this can make a big difference uh for us it was like you know if we had 20 brands we were working with there might be two of them that were willing to always let us just like test or try whatever like they were just on board to let us try things um and so uh, you know thankful for those brands but we had a couple like you said you would take three or four of those customers and ask them hey would this be helpful for you um, you know, we had some of those brands internally that would allow us to try things. Um, yeah. and it you know, could result in, we're talking about like, you're talking about like the size of a box or, um, being an inch smaller, um, you know, logistics side to the image side, everything on Amazon is all connected. Um, and it can be the smallest little change or tweak that can, can result in, um, you know, profitability and, and a business growing quite a bit. Yeah. The, uh, you know, so back to your question about how I'm using data. You know, we we've done a lot of tests on the Amazon detail page of, uh, you know, bigger images. And and what we found is for some reason, the test kept losing, right? It's okay. like bigger images didn't, didn't increase sales. Uh, but that's because we, after we've done a number of tests, we're like maybe we're measuring it wrong, right? And it actually is, you know, bigger images actually, you know, you know, we looked at our measurement and actually realized that, that there were a number of ways that, 
And that's why you see what you see now, where there's a lot of different uh, ways to do bigger images and bigger images, because Amazon does do such those. But using data, you know, what I want to point out is, you know, as you're thinking about doing something, you're making a hypothesis. And right. if you, the, to the degree you can run your businesses on hypotheses, in addition to like shreds and anecdotes of particular data, that's a, that's a trick to scaling, right? That's a way to scale your business, right? When you're working on anecdotes or hypotheses and say, customers like you want the page laid out this way. Well, that's great. There's millions of people shopping on Amazon. So even if you're one in a million, there's, you know, lots of other people like you, but that means there's lots of other people not like you, right? You, uh, you social media is another example. I'm, uh, I'm always surprised what posts get the most engagement and reaction from my, uh, cause it's not the ones I would pick. Right. Uh, cause customers are voting. It's like, why did they all like a picture of my dog when I was talking about six Sigma? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, or talking about some other sort of like sales conversion, but I have a puppy and man, everybody loved the puppy picture. This one tells them how to make more money. This one is a puppy picture. Everybody likes the puppy picture. Uh, your customers do that on a detail page. And we also, so second thing that I often find sellers falling into is they, they think they're, they're designing for people like them. Yep. Right. And it's like, Hey, you're not necessarily designed, So you gotta be open and look at, you know, open a little hard edged, right? I think uh, Stephen Tomka did a book called Experimentation Works, and he's really good describing of, you know, even the, uh, you know, everybody's open to prove it. You know, we like anecdotes, we like examples, but we trust, you know, uh, actual factual, well done and data analysis over time. Uh, and so can you really say, oh, when I do these pictures, it increases conversion. You know, really, we did dozens of experiments before we found the size and format uh, to say this does increase conversion. You know, how long should your title be on Amazon? Well, it should be the length that customers will use to do more conversion. So, you know, that might be, you know, this many characters. It actually might be this many characters, right? What will, so try it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's common in physical retail. So I worked in physical retail for, you know, nearly 10 years. Um, and we would do merchandising and layout changes all the time in the store. And sometimes it's just the change. It's fresh and your repeat customers go, oh, it looks a little different. I saw yep. something I didn't see the before or other new customers who haven't seen it and they didn't like the old merchandising, but they like to do, um, you know, they're like, Hey, and, and you got sales you didn't get. We'll take that over to, you know, virtual. Yeah. Just change the order of your bullets. Right. See what happens. Right. You don't need any new content. You can actually script that, do the upload, uh, see what happens, change the order of your pictures. Right. right. See what Happens. No new images required. Instant A/B test. It's not exactly an A/B test because you don't have the software for that. But yep. uh, they tried. They tried coming out with that software like Splitly, and it was horrible. I'm not. <laughs> you know, at that time, like the idea was amazing, but basically the software, like you know, it couldn't make these changes without like it would flag something on the listing, trying to do it automated. Um, but there's been so many ways that sellers have come out to do some of this stuff outside of Amazon, right? So like the same data, but how do we get access to it and make use of it? Um, companies like PickFu that allow you to like, you know, put up your six or seven images and ask customers that are yeah. customers like, hey, which what image do you um, do like? Or what do you like about it? What do you not like? And you'd be surprised the one you pick is not the one everybody else likes. Yeah. You know, or, yeah, so, you know, I've started Foundry since leaving Amazon. Foundry yeah. is proper. My partners are there. 
you know, and, and what we're looking at doing is taking some of the things that, uh, there's two things the way we're using data. Uh, you know, my partner, so one of them uh, helped launch Amazon exclusives and operated it for some time. Others you know, ran categories at Amazon or uh, worked at, at other places. Most of us have been successful beyond Amazon and done other things too. Um, and, you know, we're taking the, the process knowledge and we know, we know uh, the, the things we, we learned from building and operating Amazon. And we're turning that into processes and software for Foundry for the brands that we acquire to grow those brands, right? You know, how do we do that at scale? Um, you know, how do we optimize their, their listings to drive conversion, uh, to increase sales there, which by the way, improves sales rank and search rank, which by the way, we do badges, right? So how can we, you know, put that into software for our brands uh, or repeatable processes, right? Um, the, uh, uh, in addition, you know, looking at brands that we don't have yet uh, or brands that we haven't acquired yet, and how can we help them, you know, look at their brand growth projections, right? What, what's this brand worth? You know, what do we think the potential for the brand is? Can we give them diagnostics uh, based on, you know, well, what do we see about Amazon generally? So, you know, it used to be you have to win the buy box, right? Well, if you're the private label, if you don't win the buy box, um, did you not have a clean supply chain, right? Did you sell your product somewhere and they're now reselling it on you? So really the win now is, how do you win the click from wherever customers are coming from? Could be from search, could be from another detail page. Um, it's actually a really big source of traffic. Yep. Um, you know, sellers often tend to focus on Amazon search. Um, that's only one of the multiple channels that customers get to your page. They come from search, they come from Google, they come from other, you know, other product pages. And so you want to spend time on all three and go, yes, I'm paying attention to keywords. Yes, I'm paying attention to advertising and sponsored products that might show up on, on competitor or similar product pages. Right. And yes, I spent a little bit of time looking at, at, at Google uh, to get my products there. Uh, that's another way that we look and go, you know, how do we use data to say, what's, what are keywords and how competitive are, are these sets of keywords? You know, how many choices are there really for customers to buy? And are we winning that click, right? Because there's some products that simply like they're not they're not marketed the best just by a keyword search. There's not a direct search for that product that's just like super specific. That's where like you know a Facebook ad or something that's more like um, you know segments um, is is a better fit. And so you might need to be running Facebook ads coming to Amazon if you want to launch the product correctly, you know, and getting it to start going. So what does that look like? Um, I think that's really cool. I didn't know that you were, um, you had started Foundry as well. Yes. So I'm a Foundry founder and the, the CTO there right now. Yeah. Awesome. you got a lot of stuff going on. I do. <laughs> Just three. Just three. And a lot of kids, right? So we love, we love having kids. We have a big family. So no distractions in Idaho, though. So you're solid. Um, <laughs> No. Okay. So like rounding it out, like, um, just cause I know we're coming up on an hour and I want to be able to hit, I want to be able to be placed on all of our stuff. Um, what's next for you? Uh, you know, you, you've got, what's, what's something you're excited about? Um, you know, you've got foundry going on. I think you were talking about some stuff around hiring, uh, using, uh, data, you know, um, nationally to, to find the, the best talent for companies. You're doing a lot of stuff. Like what, what's, what's one project you'll single out that you're like, you're really fired up about. Yeah, we're going to get three because I'm fired up about three. Okay, I love that. I am the same. <laughs> I'm super excited about Foundry. I think that, you know, we're interested in, you know, what we're doing is we're building a brand portfolio company. 
of, of, of a great selective, you know, we're selectively finding and acquiring dozens of brands born online to build a great brand portfolio company. Uh, it's going to last for years. Uh, and, and then also building the capabilities for that, right? So, you know, what does it take? Not just to, we're not just buying Amazon brands and running them on Amazon, but really, you know, we think of brands born online and really riding the wave of customers moving from brick and mortar to online. You know, how do we find great brands, grow them and scale them? So spending a lot of time uh, and doing that. And one of the things, you know, starting a company during COVID, you mentioned that, you know, I'd been working prior to Foundry uh, as an advisor to a, a, a labor company, a labor data company. So we're not tied to one location, right? We can hire people, you know, any, we're kind of focusing on the continental United States. Um, and, and so we can build a remote team uh, because finding great people is really hard. And if you're tied to one zip code, uh, that limits or reduces the set of people you need. But when you can look across the country uh, to find people, it's the same thing that Amazon sellers use. They use people all over in the world for specific tasks, right? Yep. Uh, so, you know, the, um, so I'm excited about that, you know, hiring, you know, yeah, using tricks to hire people wherever to get great talent and, and build a, you know, really high, high, uh, highly effective remote team. And then I've been doing a little bit of work in Eastern Europe. So as sellers look to expand a lot of it, and we, we think about this at Foundry a lot because we think about full e-commerce, we want to bring brands to where customers are. Yep. Well, Amazon's not everywhere. Uh, and, and Amazon's very dominant and very big in the United States and we live here, so we tend to see that. But uh, there's you know additional opportunities. Certainly you can use global selling and sell broadly across the Amazon platform. But Eastern Europe is a growing market. Mm -hmm. uh, South Asia is a growing market. So uh, I've been working a little bit with a company called Emag, E-M-A-G.R-O. It's a, you know, the leading e-commerce seller in Eastern Europe. Okay. Uh, based in Romania. Romania is not just Dracula's castle, right? It's a, you know, it, it's, you know, 25 million online shoppers, you know, with an economy that is, you know, equivalent in growth to Spain and Italy. So how could you sell there? Right. There's less competition for the buy box uh, in uh, in Spain, in Romania, uh, than trying to compete on Amazon uh, in Spain and Italy. So I've been working a little bit with Emag on a program called Door to Door that if you ship products out of uh, uh, Germany and Poland, um, how can we help you trial the Romanian market? Right. I so you don't have a pallet there. So if you ship products out of Germany or Poland, send us your listing file. Uh, Emag will help design this door-to-door -door program. They'll translate your listings, uh, list them for a Euro price on the EMAG market. If you get an order um, and customers pay a small surcharge, you have to be able to get that order pick packed and to your dock door in Germany or Poland, whatever your warehouse is in 24 hours. Okay. EMAG then picks it up and takes it the last mile in the next 48 hours to their customers. And they handle the export, they handle to help sellers discover and trial. Obviously, if you sell more, you're probably going to want to start shipping. And they have an F, a fulfillment by EMAG style program as well. Probably very similar to uh, the early days at Amazon on the vendor side. Pretty much. Yeah. It's just an earlier stage in the maturity process because uh, there's less international sellers, but they certainly want to bring more selection into, into Romania. And well, it's fun to, to work on projects like that uh, to help sellers see more marketplaces that they can expand to. Uh, but do so in a way that they can kind of dip their toe in and trial it uh, to see how it would grow. 
Yeah, I um, I just want to piggyback on that, like from from my experience with international expansion. I'm I, I grew up in Africa until I was 16. I've always been thinking about how to get some of those products uh, from those makers that are just incredible. Uh, you know, I was thinking about chess sets when that show on Netflix came out this year. Uh, some of the chess sets I would see handmade in Africa were just you know mind blowing, and um, they have a marketplace. I think it starts with a J. Um, but you know, I'm in. Uh, Marginology is in, I think we've got clients in 11 countries in Amazon. So, you know, Japan, Australia, um, you know, all of the EU, uh, we're down in Brazil and Mexico. And exactly what you're saying is correct for like for these sellers. Um, sometimes it was it was not until we went to Canada that we actually started really getting successful with the brand um, or going to Australia to offset their seasonality on the U.S. side. Right. Because it's opposite seasons. Um, those are some of the ways like getting uh, sellers, whether it's Amazon or e-commerce, sometimes they were already doing e-commerce. We just brought Amazon out there, but for them, those opportunities have been huge. Um, we definitely need to connect about uh, the EMAG thing and see if any of my brands are a good fit. You know, we've got a few selling in Europe. Um, so it could be something that we're trialing with us. I always like trying new things. So I'm definitely like, let's try it. You don't know until, uh, until you go and keep an eye out of prosper. There are a few flyers around for that program. So, okay, deal. I've been, uh, talking my face off. So um, I just feel like I've been sold to all week. Um, but in the best way, I'm excited. Just uh, it's probably the busiest show that I've been a part of. And uh, it's, it's an exciting industry. But okay, so you gave me two. So EMAG is one hiring is another but really, you know, foundry is, is okay. where my entire head is at, right. And yeah, I think what's interesting is this is all relatively new this idea of buying these companies, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a yearish plus that we've started, you know, Thresh has been a little longer, but it's been a yearish plus that we're starting to see, you know, companies buying. And so I love those early days, um, you know, and, and I think the process can be improved. The sales process, there's some great opportunity there. I think you're going to see service providers evolve uh, to handle portfolios and bigger, you know, bigger businesses. Um, you know, you may not be as big as a 1P, but you know, it's much bigger than a number of sellers when you're looking at, at the scale. Uh, and then I think you're going to start to see, you know, right now I feel, you know, it's, it's maybe there may be some some just continued changes over the next year. And, and Foundry is going to be a big part of that of, you know, not only op helping, not only for the brands we buy, finding great sellers who it's the right time for an exit and it's the right time to help that founder you know, get back to doing more of what they want to do. Maybe it's more product development. Maybe it's take a break. Uh, uh, maybe it's, you know, be involved with brand. Uh, but then we'll take that, that brand as we acquire it and get it to more customers, get it to more marketplaces, right? But doing that at scale with software uh, is, and data is, is a big part of where I'm spending my time, and, uh, you know, looking to, uh, looking to. I have one more question I, I wasn't prepared for, but I think we got it. We got some time. We got to squid it in, squeeze it in here. Sure. Um, squeeze it in. Squeeze it in. Uh, Vantage. So Vantage International. Yeah. Um, is that a consulting, like, you know, let's say we have, uh, you know, I don't know how this works and you just, you let me know, but I come across uh, brands or business owners. Uh, I, I don't even like calling them Amazon sellers because almost everyone I work with is like a full on brand or manufacturer. Well, I'm brand business, yeah. Right? So, so they're everywhere. Um, but they, they don't understand e-commerce. They're trying to learn it. You know, they might've been a brick and mortar company well-established for a hundred years. Like, you know, I'm working with companies that have been around in the U S for a very long time, trying to make the transition and learn 
you know, direct consumer internally, and they're having to change their warehouse systems and they're having to do a whole lot of stuff. Um, you know, and there's some of them that just can't even understand like, you know, uh, if they're being profitable. Right. And so us as Amazon consultants just really aren't paid at a, at a level to advise their entire business. Right. In that regard. And so is that, um, you know, how does that work? Can I, could I bring brands to you uh, like that are looking for that kind of help, maybe to understand where they are, to get polished up for an exit? Um, you know, what is that service? Am, am I understanding it correctly? Yeah. So we thrilled to have, you know, thrilled to have you come to Vantage. Uh, so uh, I lead Vantage and, and have built teams. There's about 20 of us over the last year that, that uh, work with Vantage and done projects, uh, Vantage projects with uh, uh, about a dozen clients. Um, okay. We're a little bit, uh, we were two ways. So sometimes we do strategy assessments, uh, okay. we do an assessment with a, and, and help to prioritize and identify what the biggest opportunities for the company is, um, and then help outline a path, um, help outline a path for them to execute on it. That's kind of a little more like elastic executive service. You dial up, you know, just like your EC2 server, you're like, you know, we need a little bit of help. We can't, we don't really need you full time. It's a fractional type thing. Can we dial you up, ask some questions? dial us down, then let's check in a month from now and see how we're doing, right? Got it. Um, and so it's, it's that kind of assessment advisory. What we really like, and, and this is the name Vantage, is one of the most powerful and potent ways to create change in your business is to audit and check your points of view and the beliefs about your business. We talked about this earlier with sellers. You know, change your vantage point and you'll probably see some new things, the mental model that you believe. So Amazon, you know, startups and hey, you know, our mental model says sellers really probably can't deliver prime. But then you start examining, find, well, actually, under certain conditions, seller fulfilled prime will work just fine. And there's certain sellers and certain networks that can actually do it. Boom, millions of new products now available through prime because you change that mental model. So one of the things we like to do with Vantage is for companies that are looking to innovate, companies that are looking to grow a little bit like the Amazon way, either growing in their the way they organize their people or growing in the way they do their product management with customers. Um, we have a couple different methods that we took from Amazon, right? So that's our Amazon experience, whether it's working backwards from customers to build new products, or whether it's from how you deploy and organize your people to drive growth and achieve some hiring. Um, we do both of those things with customers to, to give them a different point of view and help them grow. I love that constantly questioning the answers to, you know, the questions you've answered before and just yeah. making sure your perspective is, is, is there and your perspective is different. And, um, you know, it goes back just the entrepreneurial or the mindset principle of like who you're around. Are they bringing you different perspectives? Are they only agreeing with you every time? Um, you know, I think that's one of the ways that I've grown so fast as an entrepreneur or a young business, a business owner is just um, getting to talk to CEOs, whether it's on a startup hustle or working directly with them on Amazon uh, or CMOs or whoever I'm working with that might have a different, the way they're doing it is different. And being able to learn from that and see, oh, this is how they're running their business. Oh, this is how this, you know, manufacturer, this hundred year old company is running their business. What can I learn from that? And getting that direct access and just seeing how everyone's coming at similar problems with different perspectives has been kind of like a crash course. Um, and, you know, without Amazon being the marketplace to do it, I probably wouldn't have got the opportunity, but um, I love that. I love uh, that, that perspective. Um, and you guys being Vantage, being able to do that is cool. I definitely have to keep you in mind. I feel like there's opportunities that come up and uh, you know, where do you send, where do you send some of these companies? You know, where do you send them to get some help? 
um, you know, without charging them, hey, a, a massive package of Mark to do something like that. And usually it's only specifically around several things we have access to. So um, I think that's really cool. Thanks for sharing a little bit about that. You bet. It's sometimes it's, we've been down that road ahead of you, right? So people doing things for the first time don't know what they don't know, right? So yep. minor mistakes. Uh, and, and then the ability to kind of like, hey, I don't have to bring this person on full time or bring on this whole, you know, again, just like EC2, you kind of dial up and use what you need when you need it. Like uh, a fractional, like a fractional team. Very much like a fractional. So with one client, for example, came in for two days, you went through a, a pretty basic set of questions, right? What's driving your finances? Tell me about your financials. What you know have been highlights of your, your customers that you've noted? Which customers have bought more or less? You know, what are some questions you ask? What, tell me about your pricing and your, uh, and your particular product and new product development. How's your in-stock been? Okay, great. Uh, and obviously we prepared some data. Great, we made a strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. We identified 10 potential action items, as well as what are five questions you have about your business that you don't know today? We that we then prioritized, said, okay, here's focus on across all of these things, focus on these, could you focus on these five things for the next 30 days? And then, great, I'm out. And then 30 days later, we come back through and do the, uh, but now we can do it in one day instead of two, and go, great, what, oh, you only worked on three, not the whole five. Okay, well, what did you learn, right? Oh, you did some product bullet tests. Great, right? How did it turn out? Oh, you increased conversion. Way to go, or oh, you don't know. Okay, well, let's figure it out. But it, it just gave them a business review process that they didn't have time for, but they also hadn't done before. And frankly, after about three, four iterations of that, they're like, we got it, thanks, right? Uh, we're doing this on our own. You know, thank you for showing us a framework to assess our business and to look at our strategy. Thank you for walking with us to show us how to do it. We got it from here. Great. I, love that. Which I, I can see why it'd be super helpful to so many yeah. people. Because a lot of things, you know, I'm a parent, right? Not parents out there watching the show. And, and any parent knows like more is caught than taught. You can tell your kids all day long, do this, do this, do this, right? Turn off the lights, shut the door. Uh, but, you know, every... Uh, Every parent knows like, why is that kid doing that? Oh, wait, they're copying me, right? They're doing what I do, right? And, and so your clients, the same thing. You can tell them all day long, but if you can show them and do it with them, uh, that ends up being a, 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 a more, it's usually stickier, right? And, and they get it, they'll adopt it. So I can I talk that. to somebody about working backwards all day, but until we actually write a press release and FAQ together uh, and they go through that process, it will go a lot farther. I agree. I think that was very well said. Um, it has been awesome having you on the show. I think I could talk to you for hours about some of this stuff. So I've tried to keep it moving. Really appreciate your time um, and having you on the show. And once again, today's episode, Startup Hustle was Helium 10, cutting edge software that helps you grow your business on Amazon. Start your own journey by visiting helium10.com to scale your business on Amazon today. Remember to use Hustle for half off. Um, I've been using Helium 10 a long time listeners, um, you know, depending on what your needs are, it can be a, a great software, um, you know, to take data, make some decisions with it, really get your feet wet and understanding, you know, what you're doing on or off Amazon. Um, I'll see you next time, guys. It's been awesome. Um, and talk to you soon. Thank you again, Stefan. You bet. Thank you very much. Stefan. 
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.